Do you talk about it with your friends? Do you dare talk about it with your grandparents? The Sealed Section, talking everything sex for everyone. Hey Shaggers, welcome back to the Sealed Section. Now this is part two of the episode that I recorded with Amber Sinead Daly. I do need to put a trigger warning on this episode as we do discuss domestic violence, sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual abuse and rape. Now just a little recap on last week, Amber and I discussed her past experiences in domestic violent relationships. We also discussed her sexual trauma. We also talked a lot about the signs of toxic and abusive relationships. We talked about consent and also how that's connected to guilt and how do we separate those. We talked about the process of reporting rape to authorities. We talked about polyamory we talked about a whole lot of issues and we ended the episode when we were talking about dating and how there's a lot of assumptions about what in particular when men and women are dating these silent expectations of that if someone buys you a drink that you'll have sex with them or if someone comes over for like a netflix and chill that there's the expectation to have sex so that's where we left off uh jump straight back into the conversation so i hope you enjoyed today's episode shaggers but literally the amount of guys that make a comment as soon as I mention it they're like oh I'll come on the podcast I'll give you something to talk about I'm like shut the fuck up no you won't (laughs) I'm like trust me you will not (laughs) wow no (laughs) they probably want to get it (laughs) yeah no and then it's almost more pressure on me because then if they do come over and fuck me they have this expectation that I'm going to be this wild freak in the sheets I'm like no I I just I'm really passionate about this topic like there's so much to it more than just you fucking me or like me having sex with someone so then the pressure's on me and it's just (laughs) it's a whole lot that I didn't think about beforehand but like it's a good learning experience too and it cuts out so many dickheads now they probably have that expectation of of being featured in a story yeah literally (laughs) probably cool too but I mean I think that's the cool thing about it is that you can go anywhere with this sort of topic because sex isn't just intercourse you know sex is on so many different levels that we are still yet learning and experiencing and uh although we do have those gurus out there that try to charge an arm and a leg for you know tantric stuff that you can basically teach yourself at home um i do think that that's something that we need to learn ourselves is by coming back and engaging with ourselves one-on-one even and being able to be present with ourselves before being present with another person and understanding our body, understanding our breath work, um, focusing on the traumas that uh, we relate to the most that are, are affecting us the most in our sex life because, let's be honest, trauma does affect our sex life. Yeah. Um, and no matter what kind of trauma it is, whether you you were young and you had gone through things um, previously, whether it be sexual abuse or even just um, fear of attachment and abandonment coming from uh, not having that uh, focus and attention from those that you loved, you find yourself kind of revealing your layers in the bedroom as a insecure um, low self-esteem person where you're always trying to hide everything, cover everything, or mm-hmm. you're not constantly thinking about, is this moving? Is that, does that look weird? Um, yeah. You know, and for, I've had kids, man, getting on top is like, fuck. <laughs> like, I feel like uh, I'm performing um, to an audience and my tits are the only ones clapping because yeah. they make that sound. You know? <laughs> it's a very 
it's not good. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed about that. But I found that when you are with boys and not men, that's, I think that some people are rather turned off by because, let's face it, they don't look like tits when you're jumping up and down. They look more like sandbags and balloons just <laughs> deflating. Um, <laughs> and it's not fun at all. And because I've had kids and, and I've had operations too, like I focus on my C-section a bit yeah. because when I'm sitting down, it kind of folds over and it, it looks like I have three stomachs, not one. And you don't have to be a chubby person for that to happen either. That's the thing. Like your body does so many different things when you get older or when you've had kids that most people would be like, well, you know, but you're skinny or you're fit or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no, what you're doesn't. fit. doesn't matter what weight you are or how healthy you are. There's always those bits and pieces, especially cellulite um, or dimples, scars, things that show a lot more when you are having sex. Um, and I think that that's also a lot to do with the increased blood flow too because I find when I'm having sex a lot of the time, um, my scar around my vaginal area um, does show a lot more and yeah. I feel like I can feel my scarring down there as well from having my kids. So that makes me very self-conscious. Um, so sex for me, especially coming down to oral and being completely naked, they are the things that I hate the most, my tits and me downstairs. Um, they don't look anywhere near like they used to. They don't feel anything like they should. Um, and that really has imposed on my sex life to the point where I don't want to really engage in sex with anyone. I kind of just want to have a cuddle and go to bed. That's it because I don't want to embarrass myself or turn someone off. And because and I haven't had cold backs and I've been ghosted and this, that, whatever, it's like, well, is that my body or is it the fact that I don't have enough confidence or am I too broken or do I come across too easy? Like there's all those questions yeah. that you actually can't answer and no one mm -hmm. could answer them for you mm -hmm. because until that person is open with the communication and mature enough to say, hey, this was the reason why I didn't want to see you again or this is why we don't really connect on that level, then awesome. By all means, please be open with me. But don't be so rude and not man enough to come and tell me what the issue is and make me feel worse about myself. Because that's the last thing any of us need when it comes to sexual relationships. Definitely. And then when you have one after the other after the other that does that, it fucks with your head so much. And even just yeah. the fear, I know, especially um, from my experiences, it sounds like sometimes when I say it, I'm like, it's so stupid, it's such an easy thing. But just asking where is this going or what is this or what do you want or when it's you feel like they're pulling away what's the problem I get so too scared to say because I don't want them to think that you know I'm too much or that because I'm yeah. asking that even though we're just having sex I want something serious because yeah there's this expectation that if a you know a female starts saying a woman starts coming asking these things that they're looking for this you know really emotional yeah. relationship <laughs> when it's like no I just want to fuck family. you literally I just want to fuck you but I don't want to feel shit about it <laughs> because you're not you know one day you don't talk to me but then you hit me up like I just want to know what the goal is yeah. so that I can go about my day fine and then go fuck you tomorrow after you haven't spoken yeah. to me like literally yeah like still have <laughs> that self-esteem and that confidence rather than like walking around like oh fuck what did I do wrong I like it, it says something to do with like how I taste how I smell how I look like what's going on there's got to be Literally. more to it so you start doubting yourself man uh, and know. putting yourself down 
Yeah, and it's so it's so hard to come out of that too, especially when you oh, have, yeah. like when it happens a few times. And ghosting fucking sucks. If only people had oh. the balls just to be like, look, <laughs> this is this is what it is. You know, just be open ghosting and honest. Is so vanilla. I think so that we, we need to reinvent it. So yeah. Stop ghosting and actually come out and surprise us and be like, hey, actually, last night was great, but not really that interested. But want to see you again for coffee. Exactly. Holy shit, mind blown. Like, if someone did that, I would literally be like, what the fuck? I'd be like, call my this friends. Listen, this guy told me, like, what he didn't want. Like, what is, like, what is happening? Yeah, you'd start talking about it more, eh? You'd be proud. You'd be like, I value that man's confidence, man. Yeah. He is amazing. I know. I know. Instead of being yeah. like, oh, he's a fucking dropkick, like, you can actually yeah. have some more respect <laughs> for, like, their decisions and what they're doing. <laughs> It makes it so much harder because what if it's one of those guys that you do like, that you do find yourself attracted to, right, and you get ghosted, but then later on they re-enter your life or re-encounter your life and you guys start to hang out and you go to a party where all your friends are and you've already told all your friends that, remember that guy who was an absolute fuckwit who, like, finished first and and just didn't really give a shit about me and just left the next morning and didn't even take my number? Well, this is that guy. Like, and then you're dating him and everyone knows him to be that fucking asshole. And you've just made the poor cunt look like shit (laughs) (laughs) and embarrassed him, but you can't even fix it. And there's no point because, let's be honest, later on, if it starts off that way and then you're dating them, it's going to end anyway. Yeah, yeah like, it is. Maybe not in two years, but it'll end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned something um, just before about, like, sexual triggers in response to sexual trauma. And yeah. these can obviously have, like, a massive impact on someone's sex life. Are you able to explain, like, the impact that this can have and potential ways that we can try and overcome it? Definitely. I think... Um Look, when it comes to any any trauma, especially emotional trauma, I think for me is probably my biggest one. Um, my emotional triggers are things like even to the point of just grabbing me the wrong way disrespectfully, like trying to control me, if that makes sense. So grabbing me with a force that isn't like uh, reciprocated in the same way that I'm like, oh, yes, I'm engaging in this. I'm enjoying it. If it's forced and it has to be forced, it kind of triggers me. Um, it makes me feel like he's trying to possess me. He wants to uh, develop an attachment to me, but he doesn't have the time to listen to me or engage with me about the things that uh, sometimes make me feel triggered or attacked. Um, I think certain things that people say even during sex, you know, that there is that level of dirty talk that is kinky, that is hot. And, yes, we've all got our own fantasies and things like that. And I, I love the whole daddy thing, but I think people kind of uh, don't have much of an understanding of where we're coming from with the whole daddy issue thing. Yeah. It's not like I'm picturing myself as a eight-year-old girl who's getting pounded by her father. No, I'm picturing myself as someone who's not related to this person, but he's like my daddy, my keeper. Like he yeah. looks after me, he's my provider, you know what I mean? So yeah. we're separating the perverted um, for something that is a, a reality that like your, your father figure is generally someone who has to provide for you that, um, you know, protects you and wants to be there all for you, you know, be there for you regardless of any situation and, and try to help you through any, any difficult circumstances. And that's 
sort of the thing that I focus on when it comes to sex. So when it comes to daddy issues, it's more like, oh, yeah, this man's big, he's strong. Yeah. I, I want to call him daddy because I want him to be um, my provider. I want him to look after me and treat me well and respect me. Um, but people see it as a perverted thing, I think, some people. Um, and the people that I've encountered that have found those things perverted have generally been the ones that have been abused before. Yeah. Um, and it's not actually being communicated. So when you're in the heat of the moment and those sorts of things happen, uh, depending on how that person deals with that trauma of sexual abuse, with it uh, being a parent that might be involved or a grandparent or so forth, um, these sorts of things can be triggered and used to heal in a way of either going about it as a, oh, yes, they, they want to relive that sort of thing, but with someone safe so that they can deal and offload that trauma and feel empowered but also submit as well to the, yeah. to the pain of that trauma, um, but by being with someone safe that they trust. But then there's the other side to it where it can trigger someone where they feel like they can't uh, engage in a sexual act because it's um, affecting them visually in their mind or they're feeling those um, emotions again that I guess overtake the body to the point of uh, submitting to pain in a way that isn't able to come out in a sexual intimate moment and rather comes out as a, an emotional disperse of uh, anger and anxiety and fear and that can be really quite difficult. So you have to communicate um, your triggers, your traumas, uh, anything that's a sexual trauma even that might uh, find its way into your sex life or relationships, they should be communicated first uh, because they are the, the smallest things that can make someone feel so insignificant or not enough if it's not communicated, uh, transparent or even, um, what do you call it? God, I've lost many words. But yeah, you definitely, you have to be very open when it comes to sex. And I think Sexual abuse can be either carried on yourself as a trauma or you can use it as a tool. Um, yeah. I don't see anything that I've gone through in my life as something traumatic um, anymore. I used to carry that around with me all the time. But for me to deal with it and to get beyond my low self-esteem and shitty insecurities, I had to view it as a strong point in my life that, yeah, okay, that has happened. I accept it. That's all well and good. But I also see where I went wrong because it's not always just that other person. Yes, they may be more in the wrong than you, but at some point we are to fault because we may have seen those mm -hmm. red flags well before we were made well aware of it um, through actions. We were probably feeling it within our guts or saw little signs that didn't quite stand out too well, but were there, you know? Yeah. It's about learning. It's about teaching yourself um, what sort of things do trigger you, what traumas you have been through that you can associate with another person and, I guess, profile. Learning to profile a person before engaging relationships and in sexual intimacy is a massive thing and no one's ever perfect at it or an expert at it. But when you can, I guess, point out the the most necessarily necessary things that uh, do raise alarm bells, you can avoid that. And if one alarm bell even goes off, if one red flag appears, then you know that it's probably best to walk away no matter how attached you might be to that person or that feeling that might be fulfilled emotionally and mentally. If that person has already showed you some warning signs that were never any good for you in the past, mm -hmm. then it's not going to be good for you in your future and 
that's the reason why you're being shown those red flags and, and triggers and traumas is because you need to know now rather than re-engaging in something that's going to put you down later on and yeah. uh, give you a crossroads where you don't want to be stuck at that point going, should I go that way? Should I do this? And by the before, <laughs> before you know it, <laughs> you're questioning everything and doubting everything. Um, and, uh, and it leads to, I guess, stuttering as well, as you can see. I, um, I do that a lot and I lost a lot of confidence to speak and saying no was really difficult. So I do stutter, fuck up my words or stick to words that I know rather than trying to <laughs> serve outside my boundaries. Yeah. Um, because these people also sometimes, I guess, made you feel like as if you weren't enough or smart enough to uh, continue being yourself. And you then turn into someone you're not. You, you kind of represent another version of themselves rather than yourself because uh, you take on that persona. Like it's kind of like you you mold into one person because now they've stopped you from doing the things that made you you mm-hmm. and everything you once loved about yourself you now hate about yourself. So you take on this other person's traits and you start doing the same things as them, um, liking the same things as them, and then you've just lost yourself in the process. So that's uh, that's difficult and very common. Yeah, definitely. Say you're the partner of someone who's had sexual abuse and say that you ha- they haven't communicated their sexual triggers and then something triggers them and then you find yourself in this situation that they haven't been in before. Is there a way for the partners to be more supportive and how to respond in that situation where they have activated this sexual trigger and how to respond to that? Definitely. I think uh, the key for that is never go in thinking that you're a practitioner or a a GP of any sort. Don't think of yourself as like some counsellor or therapist because the minute you start engaging those sorts of words even when someone is triggered, then you're triggering them more. You're making them feel Mm -hmm. like it's unnatural to behave or react the way that they are. So those traumas and those triggers come from such a deep space within that they may not be able to communicate. Maybe they're not ready to communicate that. Maybe those uh, triggers and traumas become a reaction of even shaking or rocking back and forth or uh, maybe not even making any sense or being too scared to engage in that sexual activity or even massage or conversation whatever it may be they may not want to engage and quiet um be quite submissive to shutting themselves down um that is very very normal for a person who's experiencing or wasn't even ready or prepared to experience that trigger um or trauma so the best thing to do i find is calm be calm don't go in there feeling like as if you're able to help them because no matter how much Mm. advice you give someone who's going through such tragic things, uh, you can't fix it. They need to learn themselves and they need to grow from it themselves. And if they see it as a negative rather than a positive and not use it as a tool, then they will forever be stuck. But if you can use it as a tool and go, no, this has made me strong and helped me identify red flags and um, narcissists and gaslighters then awesome keep going about it like that always see it like that but let them know as well at the same time that 
what they're feeling is okay and feeling it is a part of the process of healing. So let them feel it. Let them react how they need to react, even if it comes across a little bit crazy. Don't use those therapy-like um, textbook opinions to engage uh, feeling that or reciprocating that love language because it doesn't help. Um, you definitely do need to be patient, allow them to just relax and, and vent or um, let go, you know, whether it be crying, shaking, rocking back and forth, being able to just create a sacred space for them, a safe space for them without having that pressure or obligation that they need to open up to you. Let them just do what they need to do in that time. Um, but, yes, mental health is very important. It's, it's something that I guess now we're, we're able to talk about more openly but again using even the words as mental health I mean trauma and triggers and things like that even though it's got a lot to do with your mental health I feel like we're still unsure about what the difference is between mental health and a mental health issue yeah you know there's there's two things there that are very very different from one another and I think that we don't pay enough attention to that. We just categorize it as one thing. Oh, mental yeah. health, it's all just one thing and it's yeah. all to do with up here. Um, I don't believe in that. So I think that if you if you do need the help or you do need the assistance or, or even your partners are needing assistance and you don't know how to give them that sort of assistance, the best thing to do is engage in workshops. Uh, and even going to some things like NA or AA, uh, even though that they're completely separate, you'd be surprised how much those groups actually do help bring up those topics of conversation surrounding um, triggers and traumas around sex. Um, because regardless, I think a lot of us have already gone through um, the drugs and alcohol side of things when it comes to sex and, and having regrets later. Um, and so it all is very valid in those sorts of scenarios. You don't have to be an addict to attend these groups. And I think that that's the thing that is fantastic. They are open to the public and you can meet some really beautiful like-minded people there that are willing to listen and help and understand those triggers and traumas. So it can give you and your partner um, support by not always just leaning on one another. You also have other people there that have gone through the same thing and can probably better explain it as well. I think you raised such an important thing there too when you said that don't go into it as a partner thinking that you you know you have to help them like you have to yeah. be this thing because I think that's a thing that a lot of people would think oh shit how do I help them with this and then it's too much like I don't know how to help or if it doesn't help they don't think they're good enough or they don't know how to how to go forward with that I think to yeah. take just being there and not necessarily having to have that expectation as I have to fix this and let yeah. them go through it and, you know, help support them but not necessarily have that idea of this is something that I need to fix, which I think Well, is it causes important. way too much stress. Like oh, yeah. It, and coming from those sorts of relationships, like I had watched a partner that I dearly still um, love very much with all my heart. I think he was definitely my twin flame. But with all my trauma that I hadn't really accepted or dealt with and pushed on the back burner, it ate him up to the point where, like, I had seen him cry more times than one. Um, yeah. He was losing weight. He was stressed. He he was angry all the time. And it wasn't because we had a shit relationship. It was literally because of the fact that I carried so much baggage that 
I just offloaded it on him all the time. And my reactions would come across rather crazy because when you're sitting there building it up, you do somewhat, and and I say this with the most honest um, part of my heart that I could possibly come out with, but women or men, we all have the potential to lash out, you know, and under so much stress and pressure and without that support or that help and understanding, you react in ways that you aren't really physically or mentally and emotionally able to keep control of. And so it comes out even violently. Um, I have been someone to lash out at that partner before and absolutely lose myself in my own anger and hatred. And I destroyed that man. Um, But we destroyed each other in the process because at the same time, his lack of understanding or wanting to understand was very hard for me to deal with. And at the same time saying that, once we were trying to get on that, I guess that balance of, oh, okay, let's talk about it. Let's go through these things. Let's have more open communication. Let's engage in different sexual activities that might help us explore ourselves a little bit more. Um, Those things all helped a lot. But uh, it definitely did put more pressure because I was going into that uh, with those new experiences with a lot of insecurities that came from such a deep place within my traumas that I hadn't healed or looked at or even bothered trying to deal with. And so I did come across as a very angry, upset, violently depressed person all the time. Like I'd throw fucking cups, I'd throw fucking plates and we all laugh at it now and that's all good. But like the damage that it caused that probably is still there for him um, will always be there now in his relationships because I was selfish and too self-absorbed to really give a shit about what my own traumas were doing to affect my relationship rather than actually taking in consideration that this man is trying so hard to to be that provider, to be that carer and to be there for me regardless and going through so many different situations that I guess him himself wouldn't have ever predicted to happen or would have seen coming that I destroyed it all and that was because I didn't reach out. Um, so yes, your partners, your, your friends, your family, especially if they know that you're going through a sexual trauma or, or those sorts of things surrounding that, um, it's good to be open because you never know how you're going to come across in the end or how you're going to react. Um, it changes you, I think, definitely. Uh, I mean, as it would, going through something as traumatic as it is, and especially if you don't have all the resources and tools around you straight away, it'd just be so hard. And then, but in that yeah. state, you probably don't even want them to because you've just gone through it and you just, you don't even understand what's happening Definitely. yourself. And you just want to, sh- because I know like I would just want to shut probably everyone out and just, you know, deal with it myself. Yeah. But that's a lot of shit to try and deal with yourself, especially if you haven't already been given the tools through your life oh, so definitely. far to, to deal with so much at like that one time yeah and what do you do too it's embarrassing so you know like there's a lot of things that we carry shame with that I guess we we definitely shouldn't but you can't avoid that that shame that guilt um that self-doubt that I'm not worthy or I'm not enough feeling it's still always going to be there your trauma and triggers are always going to be there it just is how you choose to react how you choose to cope um what you choose to take away from that and what you use as a tool because no matter how negative it is, there is always a lesson from it where you do grow from that. 
So you can turn it into a positive, even though you're still carrying that that trauma and that trigger, that baggage. You can still turn it into a positive just by being able to see it at a different perspective um, and using it for your best advantage, like coming to dating, relationships, sexuality, intimacy, like all that trauma can be used to identify exactly what situation or scenario you're engaging with and whether or not you're comfortable with it and if you're ready to uh, endure a new experience or if you're willing to go ahead with something that you've never done before um, and creating a safe space. So it isn't all so negative. We can definitely take a lot away from those shitty scenarios. Unfortunately, you have to go through those to learn. Um, but that's what makes you you. Do you have any coping mechanisms that people can use when they're dealing with such a situation? Um, music I find for myself, music and dancing. Um, yeah. Pole dancing was my my ultimate favourite. It made me feel sexy. It got me back into my own body and being more aware of, like, movement, you know. Mm. Uh, movement we seem to forget and uh when it comes to sex and trauma, you don't, I guess you don't really perform like you would have before the trauma had happened. Yeah. So, you know, we get those labels like, oh, she's a starfish. Well, yeah, because she's fucking shy. Like she's shy, she's embarrassed. Like there's a lot of different reasons why women decide, you know what, fuck it, you get on top. I'm not embarrassing myself this time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think pole dancing was something that made me feel stronger sexier and it did make me a hell of a lot stronger so it did help tone me in in places that you know kind of helped make me make me feel I guess more in tune with myself and confident enough to be that spicy sexy chicken in bed um what else uh yeah pole dancing I would definitely recommend that for anyone that's been through sexual trauma that is the best place to start because you're really engaging sexuality you're finding yourself in a in a sexual aspect as well and not just that I think you're you're starting to find the inner sexy that you may have buried for quite some time so I do find it a very healthy place to engage and stripping I mean yeah pole dancing is one thing stripping is is completely different but a lot of us women who go towards stripping have come from a place of trauma and especially based around sexual trauma. And I think that's because you're getting the attention in a, uh, in a place that is safe, um, that is obviously well looked at, you know, so you've always got your security guards and things like that. So you're able to release that sexy side of you that you may not always feel as safe doing at home or with someone you just met, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a in a safe place like that, you're able to release your sexual side, um, be sexy whilst you're doing it, even find your own sexuality and try new experiences. Um, and it's encouraging you to take care of yourself to look good to feel good because without looking good and feeling good you're not going to engage with the customers so you're building mm-hmm. confidence yeah. you're learning how to structure sentences even more you're engaging in more conversation and probably even more sexual conversations that you wouldn't have outside of that job place um that i feel encourages you to find um, new coping mechanisms for yourself and exploring sexual um, experiences a little bit more by 
building that self-esteem. Um, so yeah, music and, and pole dancing and stripping, I definitely do find peace with when it comes to trauma. Um, but I've also had my unhealthy ways of dealing with that, and that was alcohol, and mainly because it helped suppress the feelings that I was feeling emotionally, but also helped me feel it at the same time. Yeah. So it was a bit yeah. of a confusing yeah. one. Yeah. I think that's a really so valid I, point to get because you can get both of those. You can suppress it, but you can also really bring it up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I guess that's why I also understand why people use um, drugs as well is because, like, when you've been within the industry and you've tried all sorts of different things, um, and most of us probably have now tried all sorts of different things. And once you've tried it and you realize the different feelings that you get, and then you associate it with sex work or, or trauma that is based around sex, um, those drugs and that alcohol does both. It does suppress and it does let you have a release. And although people might look at it and give that stigma surrounding drugs and alcohol as in, oh, that's not healthy. That's not a healthy way of dealing with it. That's self-medicating. That's not recommended. Um, I wouldn't say that I recommend self-medicating in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, I feel like when someone is on that path of trying to heal, they do need to engage in some unhealthy things for them to, I guess, release and suppress, release and suppress. Um, because without going through that process, without finding something that works for you at that time, regardless of whether it's healthy or not, you will never push past it. And you may find yourself in a very dark situation where you're thinking of suicide or you're becoming so depressed that you're not leaving the house and you're isolating yourself more. So alcohol helped me get out and about, um, helped me talk about the topics of conversation that I wouldn't generally feel comfortable doing sober. Um, and it helped me black out enough some nights where I could go to bed and sleep without a loud mind. And I know that's unhealthy, but it's gotten to the point now where I'm good now. Like I've moved away from the alcohol and it's done its job for that time being. And now I'm able to focus on not just healing, but also the process of moving forward from that. So we do all have our own ways of dealing with things and there's no right or wrong way. There's no unhealthy way or healthy way of going about it. It's just being mindful of yourself and others. And if it's not hurting anybody else, and it's not hurting you physically um, or mentally and you're able to still come home and deal with that and unload that baggage and confidently still perform your daily tasks like your job and engaging with friends and family, then keep doing what's working for you. Um, but yeah, don't question whether or not it's the right way or the wrong way to go about dealing with things. I think everyone has their own way of dealing with it and there's yeah. no right or wrong way. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I think thinking of it like that helps take the stigma out of it too, especially when it comes to drugs and alcohol, because a lot of people would see Definitely. the, you know, using drugs and alcohol to cope. They add so much stigma to that when, as you said, if you can use it in the right way, it can actually really help with the healing process and feeling like yourself again or blocking it out because you can use yeah. it in so many different ways. Well, it's all like a tool. It's like the same with, you know, when you're looking at mushrooms and LSD and things like that, you know, diving into a completely different place. But um, in the same 
sense, like when you do all your research and you, you see the people that have had these drugs and alcohol problems or even these traumas and uh, they go on with microdosing or, or experimenting with these types of drugs and coming out the other end being even more self-aware of, of the things that they're, they're doing in their life and their, their bad habits or their addictions, I find that it's basically the same thing. It's, it's a tool. So alcohol or, or drugs in general, they're, they're still tools to a degree for people that are learning how to cope. It may not be um, the best, most healthiest recognised way of going about it, but at the same time, it's a lot better and easier to be able to have that release or suppress it for that time being rather than hanging at the end of a rope and being all alone or having your family attend your funeral or having to explain to your friends and family that now you're uh, an addict that needs the assistance for not just your trauma but now you need to go to rehab they're things you want to try to avoid and if that means um, dabbling here and there or giving something a go to just suppress it or release it then by all means do what makes you feel like it's right for the that time that moment um but talk about it don't don't hide it from people if you're gonna try something be honest about it at least tell someone who's close to you so that they know uh to check up on you or to just check in from time to time make sure you're not isolating yourself or diving too deep or going too far um and that even goes for sex because sex is also an addiction too and sometimes we can take sex a little bit too far yeah so being open with someone, um, I'm open with my mum, 110%. We talk about all things dirty, all things sexy, and I love the conversations that I have with my mum. I wouldn't change it for the world, but I would never hide anything from her. I came out and told her that I was an alcoholic last year, and I'm not now, but <laughs> I was, um, that I was a sex worker, Um and I did hesitate telling my mom that I was a sex worker, but if I didn't tell her the truth about what I was doing, she really, at the end of the day, or, or anyone's parents, they're going to be the only ones that are going to give enough shit to actually report you missing or notice yes. there's something wrong. Yeah, definitely. Um, or notice if there's someone shady that they're not too sure about. They're going to be the ones who know. So it's best to be open with them before anyone else. Yeah, definitely. That's how I see it. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm like, I'm super, super open with my parents and I'm so lucky. And then I talk to my friends yeah. about what I talk about with my mom, even my dad, even at the dinner table with the whole family and they're horrified. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, but you should be able to have these conversations. Like, why should there be this barrier that I can't talk about these things? And then if yeah. you can't talk about it with them, if you can't talk about it with your friends, you just left it for yourself. And yeah, no. yeah, you need to be able to. And I think also parents need and guardians need to start being more transparent with these things because they just put it just freaks them out they put up this closed wall and they just can't they can't deal with it yeah and it's funny some of the people like some of my friends I talk to their parents have come forward and talked to me about the podcast and they're so open about it but then their children are terrified to talk about those things with them and because it up like they'll come forward and they'll start talking to me about the podcast and I'm thinking oh how do I go about this how what do they what do they think (laughs) because I know that their kids don't really want to talk to them about those things but it's it's there but they just don't have that um I guess I just haven't set those foundations necessarily to to build on that and because it's really hard especially weird I like actually thought that nowadays things would be a lot more open. Like I'm meeting more younger people in their early 20s that are quite close to their parents in that way. But then I'm also meeting 
um, a variation of people that seem a bit closed-minded, almost like yeah. they're crude and yeah. like as if um, they're trying to bring back the old-school modest woman in a way. Like she yeah. shouldn't be so open about herself because now she seems way too available or way yeah. too easy. Yeah. But I find that I find it's a lot more sexier to be open and okay I get where some people are coming from maybe there's some things that we shouldn't go too far into detail but then I think to myself why not you know like exactly so many shitty fucking things that I've gone through when it comes to sex that are really embarrassing also that I think if I don't talk about it then the girl who's really embarrassed right now who's just gone through the same thing is going to feel really fucking alone Exactly. It's so, so so true. Like, and it takes, although it might be fucking scary to do it at the time, as soon as, you know, you come forward, so many other people come forward. Like, I remember my first podcast episode about chlamydia. Like, it's just chlamydia, but I, you know, I was shitting myself, put it out there. The amount of women, even women in their 50s, messaging me going, I can't talk about this with anyone, but like, I just want to let you know that that episode was really, really resonated with me. And like, I really appreciated you speaking about this. And I'm like, that's like literally women in their 50s who I thought had, you know, this would be something that they (laughs) could talk about. And like, I even made like all ages, and I was so shocked. And just, yeah. but it takes that, you know, someone to, to talk about something like that. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, comedy, that's nothing. I can talk about that, like, yeah. you know, all day. But like, there's, yeah, it just, I'm getting lost where I'm going here. But like, yeah, people really just. I think it's, yeah, it's difficult because uh, without having these sorts of open conversations, it makes it, uh, makes it sort of like as if sex is a taboo like yeah. an STD is a taboo and an SCI is a taboo and like as if it's unnormal. But we don't talk about it enough to actually encourage people to be safe. Um, yeah, to actually definitely. go and get those tests done. So men are like, oh, she thinks I'm dirty. Like why would she ask me that? Like, And they get offended, but so do yeah. we. Yeah, it's the of course. same way. Like I've had men be like, have you recently gone and got a test done? Or um, like someone going down on me once was like, oh, you have a spot. And I'm like, what do you mean a spot? And it was like just a little, like a red, um, you know, I get those red dots. Yeah, yeah. On just, skin. Yeah. Something like that. And even that was enough to offend me to the point where I'm like, oh, he thinks I'm dirty. But it's because we don't talk about the STIs and STDs enough to normalize the fact that it's okay to ask these questions. Like if there's something that you're unsure of or if um, somebody's uh, genitals look like, there's something wrong or you're unsure about something ask them be open about it um encourage safe sex like yeah okay condoms aren't the greatest but if you really don't want to use a condom maybe try to engage in that conversation with the person before having sex with them and just see whether or not you guys can both go and go get that std test just to be yeah safe. definitely um sometimes i feel like yeah it, it, it can be a bit of a you know, a hard one to do, especially if you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Um, and you might not have condoms and uh, you you might not know that person very well, but you're so hot for them and they're yeah. so hot for you that fuck it, you're going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it does come with consequences, but I think if we can encourage people to talk more about sex and also more about STDs and STIs, it will encourage people to go to the doctor every time they've had a new partner just yeah. to be safe before sleeping with another partner so we can avoid those certain situations that sometimes can be debilitating 
um, have an impact on your self-esteem and insecurities. And let's face it, chlamydia is not nice all the time. Like we don't want to get it, you know, every second fucking week. No. <laughs> We're trying to avoid those situations. Definitely not. <laughs> that shit's expensive. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> and, and condoms is expensive too sometimes. You know, yeah. Engaging with sex in general, even sex toys, I find absolutely Oh, my God. Sex toys expensive. are so fucking expensive. Oh, my yeah. God. Such an expensive. Yeah. Oh, exactly. This, do we even all do that anymore? Expe- I think we do. Literally. Well, sex is literally so expensive. Like, if oh, when yeah. you really think about it, everything around it, it is so fucking expensive. Definitely. Yeah. And then it, it put, makes- can put people in a difficult situation when they can't afford to go lash out on condoms and the morning after pill and they end up in difficult situations, even abortions, because yeah. everything is <laughs> so expensive. Uh, even abortions. I mean, that's the thing. Like, sex is like a money maker it's like as if the government's gone you know what everyone likes to have sex Fuck it's put a big sex tax yeah. <laughs> yeah it's Literally. a huge sex tax it's like dude i walked in to go and um update my goddamn sex toys because mine's gonna walk about and um honestly to get something new that will work that'll satisfy me so i'm not going out and picking up those one night stands or you know doing something that i don't want to do yeah I find myself going, fuck, do I really want to pay 300 bucks for a vibrator? I mean, that I'm going to use the same setting on the whole time anyway. What, what is exactly. the point? You know? Exactly. So I avoid doing that. And then I think, fuck it, I'll just engage in buying nice lingerie. So then if I do um, encounter someone who is worthy of my time and my body, that I can like maybe sex it up a bit more, you know? Yeah. And at least I know that I can still reuse that, you know, item rather than, like, buying a pack of condoms and realising that, oh, I don't actually have anyone to have sex with that would wear a condom. Um, because that's it's embarrassing. It's like, do you want to – can you put the condom on? What, you think I'm dirty? No, it's not that. It's just what maybe I am. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, how the no, hell exactly. did you have that conversation? You're like, you don't know whether or not um, the night before that you might have contracted something you don't know you're having sex with someone else now like and that sounds a bit easy and a bit slutty but let's face it we don't always plan when we're going to have sex now we openly have sex like it's a sport yeah no definitely yeah that's so true And and I feel like sometimes like sex like I will have such a dry spell and then all of a sudden I'll f- fuck all these people in one week and I'm like oh my god how did that happen like I wouldn't you just don't <laughs> see it you don't see it literally coming no like it you just don't predict all, it no you don't and you don't know who's gonna walk into your life or message you or different nah. things like it's so predict unpredictable it is yeah. and it's funny because like that moment that that happens you're like fuck I'm predictable that was unpredictable because like you know you want it and when yeah. you want it, you don't get it. But then when, like, the opportunity arises, you're, like, you're on that game. You're, like, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And you're getting it, getting it, getting it. And then it becomes to that point where you're, like, fuck, now everyone just predicts me to be this person. And yeah. so you're constantly doing it. And then before you know it, somehow in amongst all of that, your self-esteem becomes lowered because now, mm-hmm. let's face it, all you're getting is banged. You're not really having that connection with anyone. Yeah, literally. So, or necessarily so good off. sex. <laughs> or, or good sex. Because, like, you know, night, I don't literally, oh, majority of my one night stands, I'm like, ugh, wasn't that good. Because, like, I find uh, personally, I have to have sex with someone a few times before I can really get in the groove and trust them and be like, hey, I really, I like it if we do this. Or, like, you know, you work out what works between yeah. you. 
and you have to communicate yeah. with it too which probably leads Definitely. into another question like how do you think we can be more open in our communication with dating and relationships without like our kinks and concerns and different things I think kinks are fantastic way of exploring a sexual world um especially when it comes to trauma because it really helps you find the things that do trigger you that you may have never realized are are a trigger um I think how to engage in more openness towards sex would be um watching more porn and I yeah I know that this is something that a lot of feminists or, or whatever they may want to classify themselves to be is that's derogative or you know towards women um yay and nay I'm kind of like hit and miss with that it depends on what kind of porn you're into what yeah, exactly. site you're on there's hundreds of porn videos you know yeah. and let's face it sometimes we're curious I think Porn helps us open up the imagination to fantasy and being able to have fantasy helps keep things exciting, Um, experimenting and also giving you new ideas in the bedroom, even outside of the bedroom when it comes to how you want to perceive yourself to be when you want to dress to impress. Um, You know, that engagement of watching porn of all different types of porn, whether it be hardcore, whether it be BDSM, um, fuck it could be, even be hentai you know yeah, it, it could yeah. be anything um, and I'm a sucker for, for daddy daughter stuff and I like the fact that it keeps me engaged with that sexual fantasy of mine where I do want someone to come into my life who does want to protect me and look after me and um, always put me first sort of thing and so that side of things for me is where I get my kink out of that it's it's completely different to what a lot of I suppose men, I say men because they do focus on um, the daddy-daughter thing as a perverted sort of side. Yeah, they do. Um, They really do. Um, So for me, like I I just find it um, sexy in in that sense of, oh, it's like my protector and and the way that I view it makes me feel more in touch and in depth with my body because I am appreciative that someone is respecting me and my body. Um, but watching more porn is definitely something that helps educate, I guess, in the way of fantasy, definitely not in the way of sex because mm. they are acting um, yeah. and there is a lot of things that, you know, like with the anal podcast, it does take a long time to build yourself up to where these people are at. Yeah, and we definitely. need to be mindful of that because we don't want to, we don't want to hurt one another. We definitely do not want to stretch things um, and have injuries. We, we don't want to go through that sexual trauma where it's going to always impact our sex life internally. That would yeah. be the worst. Yeah. Um, so being mindful that it's it's for fantasy, it's it's for experience, it's not sexual education. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing that also helps engage um, communication in open sex is just having the conversations more often and always um, – talking about consent with your friends what do they value as consent and what do they see as harassment abuse and assault how do they define it um talking about those sorts of things will help you understand whether or not you're in a good situation with your your partner or or sexual partner at the time um because let's face it we all want to have um amazing sex we all want to have new experiences and some of us have fantasies where we want to have group sex or we want to engage in things that um, are not just uh, penetration with the other person but also toys and that needs open communication and a yeah. lot of trust and if you don't yeah. have that 
things can be horribly wrong and I guess people can see those things or view those um, situations as assault or harassment because they're not openly talking about it. They're not being open with what their boundaries are or their triggers or their traumas are. So while engaging in a sexual act like that, um, you could possibly be opening up yourself to further trauma, um, which we don't want, we want to avoid. So open communication in all areas with your friends and family in regards to sex and their views is very important. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think what, even just starting small conversations and building your way up, because once you can get to a point where you can have that open communication, it literally changes everything. And oh, definitely. Literally. And you'll start having good sex. You'll feel more confident. You'll know what you want. You'll know how to also respond when people come forward with their kinks and different things. Because I think that's one thing. People, some people, you know, you encounter someone who's really open with it and you don't know how to respond to that, yeah. especially when they're like, oh, I want, do you care if I, you know, pull out this sex toy? And they're like, oh, my God, I've, I've never used one. Like, how to respond yeah. in a way. I think that's also another really important thing too. Yeah, it's hard to avoid. Um, like, for me, I giggle a lot. So yeah, I was shocking for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. get terrible with that. So someone um, wanted to uh, pay me to play with my feet. Yeah. And uh, I've never done that before. And in my head, I'm like, fuck, like, I would giggle. And I'm one of those people that would, like, do something with my foot. And if it was sexual, I'd start doing something dumb, like, this little piggy went to market. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that that would be the thing that goes through my head. And yeah. it would almost feel like sock puppets in a way. Like, I just don't think that I can separate myself from a mm-hmm. sense of humour when it comes to a kink, um, to it being a sexual thing. And I think that's not just anxiety, but it is the thing. Like, sex can be very humorous as well. Oh, for and I sure. don't find that unhealthy. I no. think sex is a rather very funny topic of conversation when it comes to the experience. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, who doesn't fanny fart in the wrong position? I've done that so many times where I really felt like giggling. And then later, I totally avoided the giggle just because I'm thinking I don't want to draw attention to it, even though we yeah. all know it's fucking loud as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying so hard not to be like, oh, sorry about that. That was from my vagina, not my ass. Literally. Um, literally. And because you can't really tell the difference. No, you can't, literally. And so many yeah. women feel so much shame around that. It literally yeah. freaked and like it freaks me out. I know I started having sex with someone <laughs> at the start of this year and it was happening all the time. And in my head, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. no, no, no. I'm like, why is it happening? <laughs> and I was like, fuck. And then I was at the end, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I was like, if yeah. they've got an issue, they, uh, they can talk to me about it. Let's be real. They're probably not going to bring it up. And at some time, yeah, I literally yeah. did just laugh because I was like, that's the only thing I can like literally do. I'm like, oh, it's. I mean, how are you supposed to literally, like, address that? Like, I've had to apologise for my body making noises. Yeah. I was grateful, you know. There's been a few times where after sex, you know, we're laying down, we go to bed, and uh, if it's a heavy night of drinking, the whole body is accumulating gas and all sorts of areas, you know. So if they're asleep and you fart, most of the time you're thinking, I just I had no control over that one. Did they hear it? (laughs) What if they smell it? Will they wake up if they've smelt it? 
just ignore it. So I ignore it and uh, later on because I'm – and it's not even just a fart, a funny fart as well, anything. That's yeah, because that could happen after weird. sex too because you've got air built up and then you move and you're like, oh, yeah. God. Because <laughs> yeah. you have no yeah. control over that. Like it just comes out. <laughs> like how the hell do you remove that without actually making a noise it's yeah. impossible i've it's tried impossible. <laughs> and it's gone to that point now where i'm apologizing for every single fucking noise my body makes that i'm now feeling humiliated that i have to apologize for my body making its normal noises yeah that's embarrassing and debilitating but can we normalize the funny part at yeah, least. it needs to be fucking normalized. And no one talks about it. Like, I've I know. never, ever had a girlfriend come up to me back, like, oh, my God, last night, like, I queefed. <laughs> it was so loud. Oh, my God. Never. Never. Never? Never. Wow. None of them. No, they just. I had to come. Like, I, I recently had sex with a really good friend of mine. I'm so attracted to this guy, right? Yeah. So attracted. Anyway, we had sex the night before. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I didn't make a noise then. Anyway, go to the park and we're doing like yoga and flips and stuff and I'm hanging about and I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll just do a flip to be cool. (laughs) And I flipped and uh, just as he's like, oh, man, did you just do a flip? As soon as he said flip, I fanny farted as I closed my legs together. And I was like, oh, no. And it sounded like it came from my ass, to be fair, because it was like, one of those ones that rocked through your bikini and just made that bubbly effect. Yeah, so yeah. it sounded like a wet fart. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. And in my head and in, on my face was just pure disappointment because for a second <laughs> I was fucking awesome. And then for a split second after it, I was the most disgusting fucking thing he had ever fucking encountered. So I never heard from him after that. It was just like full ghost that we haven't had sex since. We barely even oh. fucking talk. There's no eye contact. I'm like, maybe I should just tell him it was a it was a fanny fart. But then when I spoke to my girlfriend, she's like, I think a fanny fart's worse than saying you farted. And I was like, oh, great. Like, how do I define which is worse? Is a fanny fart worse than a fart fart? Because one stinks, one doesn't. One kind of makes you feel like you're looser than, than you should be. And I don't know how you apologise. <laughs> Honestly, we shouldn't even fucking have to apologize. <laughs> it should be fucking no, normal, literally. It should be. It should, should be, be normal. <laughs> embarrassing. I know. Oh, but that's the thing too. Sex can be so embarrassing, but you just have to literally just have a laugh, take it for granted, salt, be like, you know, it is yep. what it is. Yeah. Go with it. Definitely. Literally. <laughs> you never know until you try. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so probably to, I guess, like the, really the last kind of question I have is from your experiences and what, you know, what we have, um, haven't already discussed, what help is available for those who have experienced sexual or domestic abuse? Yeah, good point. Look, there, there's a lot of avenues, um, when it comes to domestic violence and, uh, sexual abuse. So I did put them down because I want to make sure that I do get that right as well. Um, I don't want to like give out any false information, I suppose, as well, because it is important. There, there are a lot of services that are willing to help. But in saying that as well, 
it all depends on the person as well because if you do not feel comfortable with that person who's engaging with you whether it be a um, community support worker or a um, guidance counselor things like that then you're going to find yourself hopping from one place to another or not wanting to engage at all um so when it comes to sexual abuse there is a sexual abuse hotline um which i will pull up and i have used this hotline multiple times um because let's be honest sometimes not everyone's awake at certain hours of the morning sometimes you can't sleep um sometimes it's really difficult to i guess vent um or talk about uh the things that are very confronting for you also because sex can be confronting and if it's something that's um, been embarrassing for you and say for an instance you've never even had anal you've never even had that experience but unfortunately your first experience becomes assault or abuse or rape um, that makes it very difficult for you to talk about and discuss because that first experience wasn't how you would have imagined it to be um, so we do have victims of crime uh, you can go to the victims of crime website which is i'm pretty sure it's just victimsofcrime.com.au um i use this service uh, a lot so um they are uh, based in victoria but also they um deliver support to new south wales as well and i'm pretty sure in queensland so on their website which is victims of crime.vic.gov.au has all the information you need to link up with services. Once you link up with victims of crime, they will then link you up with your local um, support network, which may be uh, a women's refuge, um, which they will have counsellors and guidance counsellors and caseworkers that will work with you and help manage you. And they'll help you sort out all your paperwork, um, because filling out the victims of crime paperwork is very quick, it's very simple. If you've got all your evidence um, and you're willing to go in and engage with the police in regards to your scenario, then they are able to help relocate you, um, help you with uh, engaging in society again and work. Um, also link you up with mental health services such as uh, local GPs, psychiatrists um, and psychologists around your area. Um, and they're available to contact 24 seven as well. Uh, so I do find that service a fantastic place to be um, if you're looking for a place to vent or even just looking for assistance or if you're unsure about anything, if you're unsure about uh, what rape is, whether or not um, sexual assault or harassment or abuse is uh, the same or different from one another, these people are really good at engaging with that topic of conversation. Um, but also it depends on who you get it's hit and miss yep. uh yep. it's the same with anywhere else so be mindful that it may not work out for you the first time around but once you find someone who's willing to talk with you openly who you get along with who you can have a bit of a joke with as well because you want to be able to be yourself and not not be doom and gloom the whole time you're talking about it because you do need to break it up a little bit if you stay in that mind frame and you're always talking about it in that negative toxic sort of outcome um you will only manifest more of that negativity and you'll find yourself in a more bigger and deeper pit of despair. So reach out to Victims of Crime, check out their website. Um, do remember that there are those uh, uh, hotlines for um, domestic violence and abuse like Lifeline, but I don't really I don't really support that Lifeline. I find that that's 
miss all the time. So I'm not hearing this. It? It's, yeah. it's miss. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got a lot of older people that are dealing um, with those uh, hotlines and they're not very understanding. They're very straight to the point. Yeah. Um, just want to get shit done. It's all about getting it done, getting it over and done with and getting in the next call, I find. Um, it's not very helpful. I find it a lot more depressing. But victims of crime, definitely if you're unsure about anything, head over there. Um, yeah, and I guess if, if anyone's interested in talking about things that they can't discuss with other people or can't find the right people to engage with on this topic, um, I guess, yeah, myself or, or you would be a great point of contact as well. Yeah if uh, anyone needed to reach out. Yeah. Um, where can my listeners find you if they did want to reach out? Okay, so you can find me on my Instagram, which is probably the, the best point of contact. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's under Basil Pirate. So one word, B-A-S-I-L-P-I-R-A-T-E. And you can check me out there. Um, feel free to send me a message. Uh, if not, follow. Um, and then you can keep up to date with this podcast as well as uh, any other news or poetry and writings that I have in regards to sexual abuse and trauma. Um, and yeah, check us in there. Is there anything else that you want to touch on or anything at all? Um, I think if I can encourage people to write down exactly how they're feeling, like journaling Mm -hmm. it, um, and especially when it comes to sexual abuse or if you've gone through, um, a situation where you do need to encounter the police and let them know what's happened and just find out whether or not um, you need the assistance or if you need further information in regards to the situation and just help you work it out in your head, write down every single detail of that situation, journal it, um, journal it while you're even just thinking about it. And if it's not something that you're wanting to take to the police straight away, at least you've written it down, date it, write down the time, um, and put down every single detail, every little description that you can think of that would help in regards to your situation, whether you think that it's insignificant or not, um, every little detail does count. And as long as it's journaled, even if you don't go to the police, at least you have a record of it somewhere. So if something does happen and you need to reflect on that, you can actually see whether or not it's similar to a situation that you've been in before. And let's just uh, make sure that we also remember that Women and men are sexually harassed pretty well on a daily basis and sometimes mm. you're not even aware that it's happening. Yeah. So it is very normalised. It is really difficult to define what's the right way or the wrong way of going about things nowadays because we don't know what's too modest and what's prude anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know the difference between what's right and wrong as such because now we're so overly sexualized and we're making things so overly sexualized confidently that we're forgetting that there is a fine line also when it comes to consent within the bedroom or whilst you're under the influence and how to recognize that is basically just going are you in the right frame of mind are they in the right frame of mind if they were not under the influence of any trauma or um, sex drugs and alcohol um, would they be able to still make the same decision that they're making now? Would they still be okay with it? Um, would they still walk away without regrets or without making it a mistake for later on? Will they burden themselves with it? If your answer is, yeah, probably, or maybe just keep in consideration that that person may see it very differently to you being in the frame of mind that they're in and could potentially accuse you by accident for doing something that they did not consent to because you guys are not openly communicating it so 
be aware, have those conversations, no matter how uncomfortable they are. Um, respect yourself, respect others, and respect the fact that not everyone's always ready to engage sexually, especially on the first night of meeting someone or hanging out with someone. Have the, those boundaries uh, well communicated. Yeah, that's really important. Well, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable. That was an amazing conversation. I think there were so many important issues raised there that honestly we could probably talk on for days because it's just so <laughs> such a like massive topic. Yeah, it's massive, literally. Um, yeah, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story because I think it will really resonate with a lot of the shaggers out there listening. <laughs> <laughs> anytime happy to shag yes. along any moment yeah. <laughs> i just want to say a massive massive thank you to amber to just be able to have you come on and talk about these issues with me and trust me enough and trust the shaggers and our whole little community enough to open up about this is so important and i appreciate it so much and just from the first part, I received so many messages from people I didn't even know really appreciating Amber speaking up because it's just such an important issue. And unfortunately, we don't talk about it enough and we don't break it down and dissect it and all the issues around it. So I really hope that this has helped people out there. I already know the first part did. So I hope that altogether this part one and two that we it really is helping some of you out there and also educating a lot of people too because for those who haven't been exposed to this it is hard to talk about and how to approach it and discuss it and what to do if you do come into contact with people who have experienced these things and how to approach it and I think Amber really broke that down amazingly throughout this now shaggers i'm struggling to put out one episode a week because i've now gone back into full-time study as well as starting a new job which is adding an extra whole heap of work onto my load as i'm basically working every weekday and i just don't have the time to be able to put out the best episodes that i can so i'm going to push episodes back to fortnightly However, there is very much a chance it could get pushed back more until at least the midterm break where I can hopefully try and pump out some episodes. However, I'm just super under the pump and unfortunately can't provide you guys with what I'd want to. And I wish I could just do this every week and make this my work alongside Nudy, but unfortunately... Uh, podcasters don't get to make any money off these unless you make it big so I'll keep you all updated but after this week there won't be an episode for two weeks and that will continue unless something changes so thank you shaggers please reach out to me with any of your comments questions stories either through my instagram at the sealed section or through my email emily duncan at the sealed section.com Please subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to the sealed section to keep up to date and leave a review as I would love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and I'll see you in a couple weeks.